This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. I have more of the Mix 100 available exclusively on Sci-Fi Talk Plus, but this I am bringing to you, and this is my number 65 on my special series, Rewind, on Resonant Alien. Interesting show based on the Dark Horse comics, and like anything, it needs to be developed. And here is the showrunner, Chris Sheridan, who comes from the Cleveland show and also Family Guy. One of the the biggest things that I did uh, in developing this show is I tried to make the show a show, even if you took the alien out of it. A lot of the sci-fi shows and a lot of the alien shows are so alien-centric that everything else falls aside, but it really is a show about an alien coming down and, and learning about humanity. And, right. and my goal was to ground all that humanity as much as possible. So the alien could sort of through the eyes of the audience sort of be part of, of seeing this world that already exists. So, you know, I tried to cast, you know, incredible grounded actors like Sarah and, and the rest and, and tried to give them all three dimensional stories so that if for some reason there was no alien in this, it would still be a great show to watch and a fun show to watch and there's stuff going on in town. And then you, you drop the alien layer over it and it just adds a whole other dimension to it. So I, I think one of the things that separates it from, uh, you know, from a lot of the, the alien shows or the sci-fi shows and nothing against any of them. Um, but the way I approached it was, like I said, I, I really tried to uh, make it as three dimensional as possible and make it as relatable as possible, even to an audience that might not be a sci-fi audience. Um, and sort of introduce them to this world of sci-fi by sinking them into the town and drawing them into the human characters and then having them accept this alien as, as, as an alien. But in this way, I thought it could also play like, this could just be an immigrant story. You know, that he could be a, a guy that just got off the bus from a different part of the country or a different country and trying to fit in and trying to belong in this world. So I thought it would make it more relatable. And that might be one of the things that sort of separates it from some of the other shows. There's more sci-fi talk. So stay tuned. You know, that that's really part of the appeal of the show. I think we've all in our lifetimes have felt we haven't belonged or didn't fit in. And certainly the immigrant experience, which I've experienced in my own life, certainly plays into this series as well. You have to create this alien character. And the man that was partly charged with that, besides the writers, is Alan Tudyk. What was it like to kind of develop the funny side of Harry? It's natural. It's a naturally funny character. It's a naturally funny situation, you know, to be, to not, nothing is normal. He's, the show starts out with him going into town for the first time. So everything he sees is new. You know, when they smile, he's practicing smiling. Just trying to find that place of, Fit in, fit in, fit in, fit in. You're an alien. You're cut, you're on the spot. Are they figuring this out? Is, am I busted? Who am I going to have to kill? Uh, <laughs> but you know, trying playing it cool when you're absolutely not cool. Uh, it's naturally, it's a naturally funny situation. So it's a blast. He's learning everything about being human in the beginning, which is fun. I love that when I first read the script, the series of him watching Law and Order and. And it just coming, him trying and it just coming out as ah, da, 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 da. when he finally does have speech, the words are formed almost uh, individual, individually. They are all by themselves. Uh, when I first started working with Chris, I 
he would write with contractions and, and I was like, can we take those out? It, it, it helps the speech pattern for him not to say can't, but to say cannot do a thing that it, it, it just gives it that a little bit of distance, that stilted nature that he can say the whole correct way of speaking. And I learned all that stuff at acting school years and years ago where they break you down and teach you how to say things correctly. And at that point, it's, it's a scary and traumatic experience. And so I, I could pull from that uh, scary and traumatic experience because uh, it's somewhat scary and traumatic for Harry as well. And then physicality, it's the same thing, just in a physical form about the movement and how to pick things up that is just broken down into almost robotic movement, which I luckily have had a couple of tries at doing with uh, Sonny and iRobot. That was how we approached that and uh, that a robot would move with efficiency, and, you know, just sort of ergonomic efficiency. What's the best way for a skeletal form to do things and maintain balance and K2SO uh, for Rogue One as well, just on stilts, uh, a similar thing. And there's a physical transformation that occurs as well. What was it like to shoot the scene where, well, let's just say there's a, uh, there's fisticuffs, so to speak, uh, that starts off where we meet Harry originally and then something <clears throat> happens. Right. <laughs> that was great. Um, you know, the alien has two sets of arms. And uh, so if you're fighting an alien, <laughs> you need to be aware of both sets of arms. If, you, if you've got two of them wrapped up, there's still two coming at you. That was fun. They were little bitty arms. We had three sets of little arms on set that we got to play with. Some of them were almost like they had claw, a, a claw feature that they actually moved. So somebody off, off set, just off camera, <laughs> applying them to my neck. I, I think there was one where I had to put them on myself uh, that we didn't end up going with. That stuff's fun. That stuff's when you're making, you're making an alien show. You're making, you're doing some sci-fi. You're finding an alien. One of the things that happens during the process of creation is on paper, you create a character and then you cast an actor. So then things kind of change a little bit. And maybe the character goes in a different direction slightly. Here is Chris Sheridan and Sarah Tomko, who is Asta, talking about that very thing. So, Chris, when you adapted this from the comic and you plugged the actors into the characters, <laughs> In particular, what happened with with Astra's with Astra? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. The way I approached all of these is to try to get as much of the actors and actresses into of, of who they are into these roles as possible. Um, I I got to know Sarah during the process through the pilot and uh, and before the pilot and tried to write the character, you know, towards her and towards who she was and. Um, you know, I gave a, you know, I, I had to, in the adaptation, I had to add uh, more background to Asta than was there before. So I added the element of this bad marriage she was in and, um, and this thing that happened to her when she was 16, uh, having to give up, give up this baby for adoption. And so I had to add all of that. And I, I really think Sarah brought so much humanity um, to the role when she came in. And, you know, one of the things I really was, was going for, certainly with Asta's character as one of the co-leads of it, is to really get the audience to fall in love with her 
and to really care about uh, who she is as a person. And, and I, I just could not be more happy with uh, what Sarah did with the role. I, you watch her on screen, you just can't take your eyes off her. So, All right, really- Sarah, you got equal time. Talk Yo! about yourself now, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello again, Tony. Good to yeah, see you. Same here. <laughs> I um, I was first attracted to the script mainly because, and, and I'll just go ahead and pass those compliments back to my showrunner buddy over here, to the writing. It was so stellar, the, the tonal shift between comedy and drama, and um, I'd never felt more seen than when I read that first pilot script. Um, I just feel like I really understand her vulnerability, her honesty, her lack of trust, uh, particularly in men at that time in my life when I got the pilot. So I was really uh, very intrigued and I was pretty easily able to plug myself in based on some of my own life experiences at that time. Um, What I didn't expect was how involved Chris would be with all of us. First off, he introduced me to each person as they got cast. Um, So, you know, when Corey got cast, we got introduced through email and then Alice, and then it would just became this huge, you know, wonderful, like- But Sarah was first, right? Yeah, I was first. I like to remind Alan of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, Alan was last. We were all just like, who is Harry? But I think it was so interesting how we all got cast and then kind of locked into place. And then Chris did this amazing job of making us all feel warm and welcome and also asking us what we thought of our characters. So it's not like there was this situation where I felt like I couldn't ask a question or say, hey, I'm not sure about this line, or I don't know if she'd say this. You know, most of the time the writing was spot on, so I never even had to question it. But it's like so lovely to have someone you work for who is like, yes, what do you think? And so that really helped me adapt right into kind of filtering in myself with her and really, I feel like the only thing that uh, she and I don't have in common is I don't wear jeans. <laughs> I hate jeans. <laughs> Very funny. I mean, there are definitely like differences between us, but there's a lot of similarities. So it wasn't that hard. While there is humor and everything, there's pathos. There's a moving moment. Uh, where uh, Asta is in her former doctor's office, kind of sitting there, and you get a flashback. And for Darcy at the bowling alley, you know, when Harry has to kind of run off. So we got to see a little bit of both of their vulnerability, and I love that it just rounds out their characters. I love that you said pathos, because I said, you know, I I saw the script, and I said, Chris, more pathos. (laughs) We get some pathos? And I was like, Tony's going to need the pathos. Yeah, I I always um, say pathos forward, you know? There you go. That's what I always say. I feel like the the wonderful thing about our relationship, our friendship, as well as our characters, is the fact that we are such a good blend of the comedy and the drama. The salt and the pepper, the yin and the yang. You know, there is this wonderful synergy about how we help each other in our friendship, but also how we have these moments of vulnerability, of grief, of isolation, of feeling like we don't belong. And I think it's a really beautiful take on what it is to seem like you have everything all together on the outside, and then to really have these hidden moments where you don't. And I think that that is probably the most human thing that we can relate to 
especially now more than ever in quarantine, sitting in our living rooms, having to deal with ourselves and not being able to just laugh it off or go hang out with friends or socialize to escape. And I think it's really beautiful that we get to see both of that happen, you know, when we go to that party and we do escape a little bit, but also when we have these moments where no one's looking and there's such heartache there. I think that that's what's so awesome about Harry getting to experience human life is the emotions that he's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is, there's, I don't want to be human <laughs> too <Yeah>. hard. <laughs> no. It is hard. Here is Corey Reynolds, who plays Sheriff Mike Thompson, and Levi Filer, who is Mayor Ben Hawthorne. Corey, Dick Fanson's the closer. This guy is very different from that guy. <laughs> uh, what I like, he's one of the characters in the show that kind of says exactly what's on his mind. What's it like to play that? I love it. He's my favorite, <laughs> he's my favorite character I've ever played. I've, I've never felt so unbound uh before i had heard actors in the past talk about you know loving to play the villain because the villain has no rules uh and it's interesting because i feel like i have i'm using the the playbook of the villain but he's actually on the side of the law which is kind of this really interesting ride for me i'm i'm loving it though i'm i i absolutely love playing sheriff mike levi the the mayor has some issues Oh, uh, he definitely does. I love this. Just does. starting with that sentence. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, talk about playing a flawed character. He's got a ton of them, but that's got to be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And and uh, he also, in his own way, says whatever is on his mind. Um, and it's usually just a big overshare that people probably don't want to hear. There's that one at the end of the pilot with with Harry just talking about uh, the intimacies with with my wife and I. Uh, so, yeah, but it has been a lot of fun, especially scenes with Corey, obviously. Um, we kind of have this, as another reporter pointed out, we kind of have this yin and yang dynamic going on. And it's, uh, it's just a really fun kind of conflict to play. I, I love playing scenes where I get kind of walked all over and, <laughs> you know, the and I'm more than happy to oblige. It's, it's the best. <laughs> I love it. More of the Mix 100 on Sci-Fi Talk, so stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, I love the, uh, with you and Harry, uh, you know, with the mayor and Harry doing the, uh, you know, the the shrink stuff. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. What's unique about this series is everybody in this town says exactly what's on their mind. What's it like to play a character that literally says whatever is on his mind and really is not concerned what other people say or think? Right. It's like being a child <laughs> in that way. It's, that <laughs> it's great. It's a lot of fun. It, it makes for a lot of fun because he's awkward. He doesn't understand things. There's the great, there's a line. They put it in one of the trailers. Uh, maybe we'll get you some, uh, Send you home with some leftovers. Fine. I'll take I'll take the rest of the pie and these six bananas. <laughs> he's, he's just taking what he wants. Oh good, you're giving me food to take home. Then I'll take all of the pie and your bananas to go, please. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're not very smart. You look angry. You're not yeah, it's fun. <laughs> And, and his attempts at humor, what's that like for you? Being that you're a naturally funny guy. 
<laughs> oh, it's funny. There's a part that's where he laughs. He makes his first joke. He it's in one of the things too where he laughs. It's like that first time, like a kid makes a joke and they make themselves laugh and they get it and they make themselves laugh. Uh, it's very fun. Um, it's very fun to give into that and to, to just run with it. <laughs> it's, he laughs so awkwardly. It's. <laughs> and Alice, I would say Darcy in her high school yearbook probably says more than likely to date a serial killer. <laughs> and so she does. <laughs> yeah, she does. Talk about, talk about playing it because she, there's a few characters that talk with what's exactly on their mind without any restrictions. What's it like to play her? Oh, it's so freeing. <laughs> I said this earlier that this character has lived inside me for a long time. And I think the closest I got to playing her was when I got to play cousin Terry and Mike and Dave need wedding dates, which was way not the same character, but it's like that. It's that person who, you know, it's like my way or the highway. I mean, she's an egocentric person. Um, she's a little bit broken and she's definitely coming off of the part of her life where she was a huge star. And so she's kind of acquainting herself with what it feels like to be not a winner. You know, she's kind of washed up and she's sort of moving into what that means. And uh, but she's doing it with spectacular Darcy Grayson style, which means, you know, a lot of liquor. And, and how do you deal with these characters that don't have any restraints? Here's Sarah Tomko and Chris Sheridan. I had a way that I could relax a little bit quicker because I was able to have those conversations ahead of time with Chris. We did a lot of discussing the, the scenes, how I feel, what do I think feels right. And so I was able to show up to work pretty mentally prepared for what was going to happen that day. And there's always, you know, the it factor uh, or the X factor of <laughs> Alan Tudyk just like improv right. and not knowing how he's going to handle the scene. But that makes it that much more organic. The reactions I have to him, the ways that I'm really taking him in and kind of weirded out by him. And it, it was so like wonderful to be able to just feel like I could show up and be myself and click into those jeans and get a little bit more Asta. But for the most part, I was really just living out a real honest truth about a lot of things I was going through at the time, very vulnerable right. grief that I was dealing with on my own. So I really didn't have to put much on it. And it was so lovely to be able to play a role that was so synergetic with what was going on in my life. There, there is not an inauthentic moment with Sarah in the show. You can see how much I've never seen an actor sink into a character um, so flawlessly as Sarah did. And that's something that's so essential. Like she says, you're, you're playing with Alan Tudyk, who, who can go off script sometimes. But Sarah stays with him every step of the way because she just becomes this character. And she reacts as if she is this character every single time. And she never misses a beat. It's really it's so wonderful to watch her and Alan work together. It's incredible. Levi Filer, who is Mayor Ben Hawthorne, and Corey Reynolds, Sheriff Mike Thompson. Are we going to get some of the backstory, you know, of your characters a little bit, uh, maybe get some, some little dramatic parts, too? 
Yeah, I think uh, there's there's definitely going to be some some dramatic turns uh, for 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 Mike. Um, I think season two is is it's teeing up for more of that in season two. Uh, there was a lot of storytelling to get out in season one, um, but I, I know um, when we bring in Mike's dad, uh, there is um, we're we're planting the seeds for where we're where mm-hmm. we're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with with Ben, um, we get to not only meet his his wife and son, but you get to see how they interact with each other and Harry within the household. We have some scenes within the Hawthorne household that are maybe uh, more revealing for who uh, this character is, as opposed to seeing him out on the street when he's you know in his in his mare mode. You mm-hmm. get to see him at home when he's <laughs> his. Uh, He's in domesticated mode. Just hypothetical. Why do you guys think your characters ended up where they are? Oh, man. Maybe <laughs> patience is kind of a land of lost toys. You know what I mean? Like, nobody wants a Charlie in the box. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, totally. And we all found our way there because we're all trying to fix something. And that town creates the uh, environment to, to do that work. Yeah. And I, I think what I've been told by the showrunner, this isn't my idea, but that uh, Ben grew up in patience, kind of went away to some, you know, liberal arts college, whatever, on the East Coast and uh, has now come back to, you know, really make a change in the town that he grew up in. And that's proving uh, more complicated than <laughs> it would be. I love misfits and boy, this town is loaded with them. And that's part of the fun of the show. I always look for diversity in series and that's part of what I like because I'm part of that diversity being Latino American. And it's definitely residing in Patience, Colorado in Resident Alien. I love the Native American aspect of her character. Are we going to see more of that in the series as it moves on? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We're going to see so much of that in this series. We, I, I'm so to be in a show that is truly representing the Native American community authentically, respectfully, showing you what it's like to be off reservation or on reservation, showing uh, what it is to just be a human being and have a family. And, and it just so happens that you're Native or that you're in a Native community. We have Native artists, writers, musicians, actors on this show. Yeah. I'm, I'm so proud of how Chris Sheridan, um, you know, handled putting all of this together to really respect the community and also just honored that I get to be even a, 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 a a token part of that in a moment where, you know, because she's adopted, she is raised by the native community, but she is also learning what it is to find out what family truly is to her and how she can really belong. And I think that that is what relates her so easily and quickly to Harry, who doesn't have family at all, who doesn't know how to belong or fit in. And that makes them really like find each other pretty quickly and, and have that synergy together, which is so beautiful. Will the surroundings fit the alien or vice versa? Are they going to adapt to him a little more or vice versa? I think in order for the show to work the way that it does, he has to adapt as quickly as possible. And so do we, because if 
I think he's super weird all the time. Then why would I keep working with him? Why would I trust him? So there's this, um, there's this permission that this world gives us in patience to be patient, really, literally with each other and just kind of accept each other for who we are and accept that we're all kind of weirdos and nobody really feels like they fit in. And, and then go on about our lives and our selfish things that we're going through in our minds. And same with, with Harry. I mean, he's got so much else going on. You get the benefit of the audience listening to that dialogue for him. I almost wish we could hear some of that a little bit more for someone like Deputy Liv. Like, what is she thinking? <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that'll be something fun. Eventually we can hear Harry hearing them, you know, but right now I think it's really lovely that the town just kind of just takes off and is like, okay, you're weird, but I still have my own shit to deal with. So I'm not worried about you. And I think that that makes it so like quick and easy for us to get in there and kind of, it's very believable in that way. It's true. And that's his journey too, right? I mean, his journey is he, you know, he's not a human, but he just to even fit in, he's got to learn what it's like to be human. And you find himself feeling these emotions he's never had before. And, you know, like a child learning empathy for the first time we see, him growing throughout the process. But, you know, I think one of the keys to the show, as you can tell in the first season, is that he doesn't, he doesn't get it right. That's some of the fun of the show. And so I don't think the show will ever get to a point where he just fits in flawlessly because I think at that point, he's fully human. The show's over. So I think, I think a lot of the dance of the show is watching Alan Tudyk play this character, Harry, who, who doesn't really fit in, but is desperately trying to fit in at first because he has to for his own survival. And then as you, he slowly gains these human emotions, I think he starts trying to fit in because he has these feelings inside of him, like we all have, that we, we actually want to belong to something bigger than us. We want to belong to this world. And I think him fighting these inner impulses all the time is, is a lot of the engine that keeps the show going. So we're going to keep that going as long as possible. You know, amazing town where everybody's a little off. So Harry kind of blends in a little more. Any place else, and he would stick out like a sore thumb. And Asta probably not so much, but certainly Darcy has her her moments too, where she's a little left of center, you know, a little left of center. What's that like to all these amazing characters that are just populating this town? We've been waiting for this show to come out for... I think it's 75 years. And, you know, we're in a pandemic. It's the end of Netflix. I came, I got to the end. <laughs> I watched it all. Do you understand where I'm at? And yeah. I've been wanting a new show to come out. And it's so satisfying to know that we worked on a show that not only like we worked really hard and we got something we like, but I actually look forward to work to like watching this show. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens, you know, with, cause you know, we know we read the scripts and stuff, but I don't know exactly what Ben and Kate's scenes are like. I don't know what Max is doing with Sahir uh, and Sahar. And I'm like, I can't, I can't wait to see those scenes. I'm so excited to watch this unfold in reality. So it's just not often that you get to be a part of something that you're excited to then digest. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I second all that and the community and the collaboration is not only something that you see in the show as a theme, but also just in our cast and our crew. Yeah. I think it's going to be something that just kind of pops out and everyone feels like they're a part of the community too. Pathos. Right. Otto. Oh, gotcha. 
Guys, it, what's cool about this town is everybody is kind of quirky. So Harry kind of fits in a little more than usual. Any place out and he'd stick out like a sore thumb. Talk about the dynamic of this town. And it's for both of you and, and being residents of that town. No, I think you I think you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, everyone's uh, just the right amount of weird that Harry can slide under the radar and kind of be normal. I think that there's also, um, I think you know, a hesitation on on Mike's behalf to a certain degree that um, I think Liz has this one line after we first after our first time we kind of after the he comes in and examines the body in the morgue and she says, well, everybody can be a little different. And I think that there is a hesitancy to judge him too much because we don't know. Harry could have a mental deficiency. He could have he could be on the spectrum in some way. So we're all trying and tiptoeing around what is so painfully obvious until my character finally says, OK, that's one creepy some bitch. You know what I mean? Like he just goes straight for the jugular. But I think, you know, you're right. There's it's easy to um, for him to fit in in this place because we're all a little off. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a general reflection of humanity in general. We all, we're all a little weird. We're all yeah. a little weird. Absolutely. And I feel like, like my character, Ben in particular, is just so wrapped up in his own neuroses <laughs> and he's so desperate for help that he doesn't really notice how strange Harry is at the beginning. Um, but in terms of the rest of the characters in the small town, I think the writers nailed it because I'm, I live in a small town. I'm from a small town and there's a lot of weird people here. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, I feel like the, uh, it's a pretty accurate depiction. I think this is a mashup of Northern Exposure meets my favorite Martian with a very dark spice, almost like a gumbo. Yes. Yeah, yes. Go with a little bit of Dexter thrown in there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of bodies floating around in the first few episodes. Yeah. That's for sure. And body parts. So body that's kind parts. of like, And I think it's cool too that the audience from the very beginning knows that he's an alien. So it, it basically everything that Harry does and says has two meanings. It has a meaning to the audience who's watching at home and a meaning to the characters who live in this town with him. And the audience get to laugh at both. You know, they really do get both sides of the coin uh, and seeing what we hope uh, as, as the actors in the show are organic reactions to Harry's weirdness. You know what I mean? Um, we have we have a lot of fun. We're blessed. I I, uh, I hate to compare things, but I would say this reminds me of Northern Exposure meets my favorite Martian with a spicy <laughs> dash of dark humor. I love it. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm tuning in Wednesdays at 10. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Special thanks to Sci-Fi and his talented group of creative artists. The Mix 100 is just one of the many special programs available where you, the listener, can determine the list by your downloads. It's all part of Sci-Fi Talk Plus, which is a great gift not only for you, but also for friends and families. Now with over 900 episodes, commercial-free, uncut, and special programs like The Mix 100. The best part, it's free. Click on the link in the show notes for free lifetime access. This is Tony Talata.